What does it take to be a competitor? What does it take to tap into your mindset where all fears and all anxieties are cast aside? At one point in your life, you're gonna wanna do something, but it's gonna be scary. You're going to be nervous, but you're going to have to put that aside and you're going to have to face those fears and get after it. In today's episode, we're talking about competition, but competition is not where this starts and it is not where it ends. What about that person you have a crush on? What about that job promotion that you want? What about that play that you want to audition for or anything else in your life that you want? You need to go after it. But in order to do that, you have to just go deep within yourself, face those fears and anxieties and put them aside because at the end of the day, no matter what happens, there are positives that will come to you. This is about learning through defeat and finding out where your weaknesses are in victory. This is competition. This is stepping out of your comfort zone. This is going after anything you want in this world. This is episode three of Tapping In competition, stepping out of your comfort zone. Enjoy the show. Welcome back. We are here for episode three of Tapping In. I'm Professor Miguel. As always, my beautiful, handsome, <laughs> distinguished, I don't want to call him old Keep anymore, going. Don't stop. distinguished co-host Roy, Roy Abramson, uh, Purple Belt Roy. Uh, we're, no reason to stop. Just continue. With well, me. we gotta stop. We can't keep people continue here all day. With my accolades. You know what it is? If we just if we tell everyone how great you are, <laughs> it takes away from the experience. Like we want them to come in and experience <laughs> Roy. They gotta see what's going on over here. They need to see the pink shorts and the polo. Like when Roy when Roy comes into class, it looks like he just got off a yacht. It's amazing. Um, we're gonna sound a little different. My voice is a little it's a little off right now. Uh, mm -hmm. We just we had the. Good fight tournament this past weekend. Uh, we had uh, I wish nine. I could have been there. I wish I could have been there, but yeah. It would have been a lot of standing around. That's yeah, what these things are. You got to time it perfectly. But we had nine of our kids competing, right. and we had three adults. We had three adults going, which is smaller than what we normally have. Right. But the main focus and for this is full white to black belt, the whole thing? White to black. What Good uh -huh. Fight does, what makes, if you don't, not familiar with the Good Fight tournament, uh, great tournament. Right. I love the way they're run, they're organized very well. Uh, they do the pre-registration. It's it's really good what they're doing. And their rule set is a little different. They're submission only. Okay. And so there's no points. Right. It's sub only. And if you don't get a submission in regulation, it's EBI overtime rules. Oh, so they combine the EBI. Oh, yeah. So you start wow. on the back. Okay. So it's and kind then, of a Craig Jones, Gordon Ryan kind there of. There uh, we go. There we wow. go. Uh, so... What they'll do is everyone gets a turn. So, like, let's say you get the back, you get the submission. Right, right, right. All right, you get the submission. Well, now you have to escape. If you get submitted, yep. well, now we go to the next one, uh, which is arm bar, and then the last one is triangle. Wow, okay. I'm a huge fan of this rule set, especially for brand-new competitors. Yeah. And we'll get into why. We'll get into why. All right, cool. Uh, but, you know, but we had nine kids competing. And that was right. the big focus for this one was getting some of our kids to compete because we haven't had our kids compete. No, it's been a long time. I don't, we're, I mean, I know a couple of the guys were competing uh, prior. Yeah. Uh, but this is a whole new batch of people. A whole and new I batch. Josh and, uh, you know, obviously Jack and... Uh, and Jack when we had Connor. And the kids. Oh, Connor. Connor yeah, competed. Yeah. Connor oh. competed and... I uh, spoke with him about it. He really, really... Uh, he was excited. Yeah, he it enjoyed. was it was cool to coach him too because I've known him since he was you know 
five years old, wow. four years old. Uh, but yeah, so let's get into it. So good fight tournament. Uh, you know, we were really focusing on the kids to get in there. And it's a big step to compete, man. No doubt. Yeah. Absolutely. And it's great because I, I've competed. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I've been competing since a white belt. And, you know, I've done IBJJF tournaments. And I did a fight to win. And, you know, I unsuccessfully fought MMA. But I've done it. And I've gone through the camps. And I've seen the ups and downs, the highs, mm-hmm. the lows. This is a different experience. And as much as I say what the experience is like, it's like anything else in life. Until you actually do it. You have no idea what professor's talking about. You think professor's crazy. It's like, you know, when your kids look at mom and dad and they're like, you don't know what you're talking mm-hmm. about. Right. They do. Exactly. They've been there. Exactly. I always think of the Ric Flair line. You got to walk the walk, you know. You got to do be it. Be the man. You got to beat the man. All those great quotes. Yes. Yeah. But, you know, one of the, my favorite things about competition, too, is it it does impact the whole academy mm-hmm. because now these competitors are coming back yeah. and they're bringing a whole new set of eyes. Now the rounds are a little different. Now right. their attention to certain details is a little different. Right, right. And now it's not just me preaching the gospel of competition and how things happen. Now they're talking to their teammates. And even if they never compete again, now they can help the guys who do compete, the guys and girls who do yeah. compete because they've got that little bit of experience. Yeah. But, you know, it, it was a great turnout. We did pretty well. I looked at the uh, the scores yesterday. Our kids actually took second overall in overall? Nogi. Yeah. Wow, in terms of the whole school? In terms of all the schools that were there, wow. overall, we took second. That's kids a nice in little feather in the cap. Anybody uh, yeah. thinking of signing up for Montgomery BJJ? There's a lot of work to be done. Mm-hmm. A lot of work to be done. Saw some great things. Uh, some some things that, as a coach, here's the thing: if one person is doing something, right. you know that person's doing it wrong. All right, if one person's doing something right, well, they're doing it right. But when you have everyone doing it right or wrong, that falls on the instruction. All right, take a step back. So you're saying that they are rolling and they are all making the same sort of mistakes? 100%. Or they're going for the same subs? or they're going A little to- bit of both. A little bit okay. of both. But I'm the head coach and instructor, so I'm only right. seeing the things they're doing wrong. But you didn't prep these these kids in terms of this is the way you're going to play the game. This, you know what I'm saying? You, I know you gave each guy uh, tips based on what their skill sets we were. We give them tips, and I... I don't like my students riding high on themselves. Okay. Not that they shouldn't be confident. I want them to be confident. Right. But I'm very honest with what they're doing right, what they're doing wrong. You know, we, uh, I tell my students, like, man, like, if you're really good on top, you need to play bottom. Right. Okay. Because what yeah, are you going to do when you're taken down? Yeah. And unfortunately, there were some hard lessons learned. But mm-hmm. valuable lessons were learned regardless. So mm-hmm. let's, let's start with the day. Uh, these tournaments start super early. That's what I'm hearing. Super early. Yeah. And they're packed, too. I remember going to the one up in uh, uh, the Upper Saddle River area. I forget which one that was during the wintertime. And that parking lot, (laughs) I had to park like two buildings down just to get to it. Oh, well, that was another good fight. But that was like the first tournament post-COVID. Right. Exactly. Post-COVID. Packed. They weren't letting people in. How cool is that? That the sport is like kind of attracting things that way. It's a beautiful thing. Yeah. As a as a practitioner, it's phenomenal because the sport is evolving. Absolutely. And getting, man, I'm seeing some blue belts at mm-hmm. these local tournaments that are doing things that purple belts and brown They're belts were dangerous doing 10 right years ago. Wow. 10 years ago. I know exactly what you mean. Yeah. I'm like, 
Wow. I mean, there's there's so many reasons for that. Number one, all these super fights, it's making it more available for people to watch one-on-one matches. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, you know, you have the BJJ fanatics with all the DVDs. They're doing a great job. You talked about the, uh, you know, My Evolution, Your Revolution, that uh, DVD from uh, Gordon. That, uh, that's probably my favorite DVD from yeah. Gordon. I really do. Just because it's the whole concept of being able to see someone do the technique in real time and explain the mindset behind right. it. That's huge because everything we do, we go over step one, step two, step three, step four. Right, okay. Right. But what's the mindset behind it? Like, why mm-hmm. am I doing that? What's the concept? Mm-hmm. Now you're seeing the best in the world doing it against the best in the world yep. and explaining in real time how he started setting up that triangle, how he started setting up the back take. Mm-hmm. And then what he does, he goes a step further and he says what they're not doing that allows him to finish. You know, he calls out a couple guys. It makes me, it cracks me up when yeah. he talks about some of these guys. I'm like, I, I like measure him like Gordon. How do they let you like, like post this? And he goes, no one tells me anything. I do whatever I want. And I'm like, okay. I was waiting for the Gordon I'm impression. I'm like, you're, you're the king. You're I'm the, waiting for the Gordon impression. Listen, we're, we're three episodes in. I haven't really shared exactly. how, close, how close of friends I am with Gordon. For those that don't know, if you're hearing this podcast for the first time, I was Gordon Ryan's first coach. I coached Gordon Ryan at his very first tournament. Love it. Uh, you know, when he was a, a 14-year-old knucklehead with a mohawk. The mm-hmm. mohawk made him six foot six. I don't know how they let him compete with that thing. He could have blinded someone. How much did he weigh? Was it coming in? It? Man, he was probably like 165 already. He's what, six foot tall at that point? He was like six foot tall already. Six, six seven with the mohawk. Wow. You know, with abs. Eight abs already. <laughs> And just annoying. He was an annoying, was an annoying kid, kid, but man, he just, he worked. I'll tell you that right now. When people ask me, like, what makes Gordon so special? I'm like, that young man works. Yeah, It's just different. There's yeah. certain things you can't measure, you know, mm-hmm. and he's he's got that. That kind of plays into what we're going to talk about tonight, you know, just what does it take in your mindset, you know, to compete, number one, to make the decision to, to do this sort of thing. I mean... So let's let's get into that, Roy. I know you got okay. your little notes over there. Mm-hmm. You're going to lead. If you haven't figured out, Roy is really good at getting me to uh, to talk <laughs> and not not stop talking. Just keep going. Uh, this is why he's great for this. You are a charming mofo, and I just play to that. And I just... I don't have much else. <laughs> I don't. I needed to be very charming going on. I've accomplished a lot, a lot in my life just by being charming <laughs> and not being good at it at all. I talked about when I was a waiter. I was a horrible waiter. But I was charming, so you would forget that your meal hasn't been out in eight hours. You know, by the time you got your meal, you'd been there for two hours, and you were just like, "Oh wow, time flies." Yeah, because I'm just gonna talk, right. charm you. <laughs> yeah, it's like I'm just the opposite. I, I I play a lot of music out live. I perform a lot, and it's like I can't. When when the song stops, it's like I just mumble. I I just I have no stage banter. It's just like hey, you know, I, I just don't know what to say to people a lot of but, times. So. But your charm is very different. It's much you have a different type of charm. Key, you know what I mean? I guess so. You know, uh, different gems have different shines. <laughs> ah, very. You know good. what I'm saying? But they, they're still worth something. An emerald is, you know, an, a very expensive emerald can cost as much as a diamond. Yeah. They're both charming and valuable, but their shine's a little different. That's what my brother said to me. He's listened to both of the podcasts, and he said to me, he goes, you know, I've heard you, and... Uh, you don't really open up too much about yourself. And I said, I just don't feel like I, I don't have that in me. We're so, going to get there. 
I hope so. We're gonna we're gonna have a separate it's podcast. Like it's old. gonna be called Exposing Roy. <laughs> and it's just it's gonna be you. It's like the old and it's story be me. when when you uh, when you think you have a shallow pool, you get another bucket out, so it becomes even more shallow. Oh man! So towards that end, at any rate, um, I wanted to talk about. Let, let's just take a step back as far as comp, competition and competing. Is there an analogy to it, um, in terms of meritocracy at work, in terms of just like. Uh, having the guts to, to to compete, that sort of thing. Is there an analogy? And then we'll get into the specifics of competing and preparation and this and that. But how do you, like, if you compete, how does that translate to life? That's a phenomenal question. And here's what you need to understand. There's a multitude of reasons to compete. Um, some people just want to compete. Right. right? It, it's just something that's inevitably... It's in them. Right. They they have that urge. Tom talks about it all the time. He's like, it's not that I I want to compete. I need to. There's this desire in okay. me where I have to do it. I can't say wow. no to okay. it. Um. And then you have the people that want to challenge themselves. Mm. They want to try something new. They want to see what it's about. Everyone competes for their own reasons. You know, we have a student right now who wants to compete just to do it. Right, just to have that you know, uh, notch on their belt. Yeah, he, he's older, and he just wants to get in there, and once in his life, do it. Wow. Let's see what happens. Okay. And he's told me, he goes, he goes listen, I, I'll prepare, I'll do what I got to do, but I'm not concerned with the result. I just need to do it. That is someone who is, there is something different yeah. inside him. That's a different demon yeah. that he's dealing with, that he's got to do it. Is it a demon though, or is it something that like listen? Here's certain the thing. things in life you have to try. You know, here's the thing: when people hear the word like you know, you got these demons, they immediately think it's something negative. Yeah. But if you can get the demons to work for you, you can accomplish a lot in life. Like Jeff Bezos is changed; he's chasing a demon. There's something yeah, inside yeah. him that's pushing him to go, yeah. go, 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 go. What is it? 100%. I don't know. There's something inside him. He's chasing it. I always wonder about, it, especially older guys like. Uh, you know, I'll, I'll use politics as an example. Like, what made Trump run? And, like, he's a successful dude on so many levels. But, like, isn't there a time when you just say, all right, I just want to hang with the grandkids kind of thing? I don't think there is. To some people, you're right. I think certain people are different. Uh, and, and we're going to get a little sidetracked. I had a conversation with uh, with Tom one time. Mm -hmm. And we were talking about the school. Okay. And last year, where, you know, I was legitimately nervous about losing the school. We got to a very sure. bad place. Um and I told Tom, I was like, I just always felt, and we talked about this in the first first episode, where I would get something that was taken away, get something that was taken right, away. Right, right. I was like, I just felt like I was just meant to not achieve certain things. And yeah. Tom was like, you have to understand something. People like us are never satisfied. And he knew about my, my football career. He's like, what if you would have played football at a big school? He's like, if you don't make it to the NFL, you didn't consider that a success. Okay. He's like, I let's say you that. make it to the NFL. Well, if you didn't become a star... To you, you've been like, well, I never made it to that point. He's like, let's say you become a star, but you never win a Super Bowl. Well, that's going to bother you. What if you win a Super Bowl, but you don't make the Hall of Fame? He's like, people like us, yeah. we're always, what's that next goal? Right, what's right. that next step up? He goes, and there's never a satisfaction there. He's like, but that's things that we need to check. And Tom's, he's told me this several times. Every now and then, take a step back and appreciate what you have. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Be grateful for it. Enjoy it, and then get back to work. So do you think, you know, I don't mean to get uh, into Tom's psyche, but is he completely satisfied with his arc, career arc in a sense? I mean, because he's really, really uh, sort of 
at the top of the mountain in a sense. I don't know if I can say he's satisfied. I can't talk for him. Right. That's I, I, am I going to say he's satisfied? I don't know. But I will say I think he's starting to go in towards the next realm of his career. Right. Which right, right. Everyone knows who he is as a competitor. Yeah. I think now he really wants people to see who he is as a coach oh, and as a school owner. And he's, you know, that's a new challenge for him because he knows he can be successful. Listen, people forget Gary Tonin went to ADCC under Tom the first time. Mm-hmm. All right. You know, then he got up mixed up with John and training with John and that took off. But that first ADCC, he was under Tom. He's got his bona fides. No two ways about it. I, I'm wondering about even the guys that like, let's say in uh, basketball coach, you know, you get a guy like Phil Jackson, for instance, who has had a, a decent career in the NBA, but he took off as a coach, as a coach, you know, and, but what is he going to do? What's the next step now that he's not a coach anymore? Do you sit back? Do you, you know, play with the grandkids? I mean, what do you, what do you do? You know? Start writing books, become an author. Books. Exactly. Explain your methods looking for to the people. next mountain, yeah. you know, create I, the next you create the next Phil Jackson. Is. That's what it is. You know, I mean, you, you kind of went through that too. You hit the, the black belt status, which is an enormous achievement. And I could tell you really want to be a fantastic coach. A fantastic teacher, a fantastic, you know what I'm saying? Like I do. You see I, I what really your do. next mountain is. But even that, but to accept that I want to be a really good coach, and a, I'm going to be honest, I'm not going to bullshit. I want to be a great coach. Right, yeah. But to accept that, I had to also accept, you know, what am I doing with my competition side? Because mm-hmm. it's not going to be both. It can't. Yeah, It exactly. can't be. You, to be a good instructor and a good coach, you have to be selfless. Mm-hmm. It has to be all about your students. Yeah. To be a successful competitor, you have to be selfish. It has to be all about you. Right. It's just the way it is. And, you know, that's why you, when you meet high-end competitors, high-level competitors, you know, sometimes like people think Michael Jordan was a dick. Mm. Well, that's because he was chasing greatness. Yeah. Nothing else mattered. He was driven by one thing. Now, am I saying everyone's Jordan? No. But, you know, there are sacrifices that have but to I be made. But I think everybody, the analogy of Jordan is there. In other words, you have great success Forget, forget the name Michael Jordan. You have great success in whatever it is that you're doing. What is your next step? And do you have the drive to make that that same successful formula? I don't know if you can make the I same... Because I tell you su- this, he, he got a little taste of humility playing baseball, which yes. was interesting. But I, I, I'm surprised he hasn't... I know he's an owner, but I know he's not a coach. He's an owner, but his Jordan brand is also worth billions. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. so I think these people, they find a way. Listen, I opened up a school. Right. Then I opened up a bigger school. And I, we've had conversations. I'm, and I've told you what I'm eyeing. Yeah. Man, my school was open for, what, two months? And I was telling you what my big plan was. <laughs> and you were like, dude, why don't you get like 10 students first? I was like, don't you worry That's about it. That's not what I right? said. I said, I see something in you. You could totally make this happen. Yeah, I remember we were talking one day, and, and I, when I, I told you my plan, and you looked right at me, and I look up to you, you know, you're older than me, mm-hmm. you're a grown man, and I look up to you, and you looked at me, and you were like, the way you say it, yeah. I think you're going to do it, and when you said that, I was like, holy shit, maybe I am, yeah. but I, I just, I truly believe it, listen, I, I'm going to share this on here, and it's going to go back to competition, right. and the visualization, and you, it's, it's a certain thing you have to tap into, I would drive to our current location at night. So we would close up at sure. uh, the Harlingen Village, right. and I would drive over here to the new Montgomery Plaza, and I would always try to open the door. And it was locked sure. 90% of the time. Right. But on the nights that it wasn't locked, and it was just rubble. Mm-hmm. There, was no, there wasn't that. even concrete. It was just rubble. I would come in, and I would teach like a 15-minute class oh, wow. to invisible people. 
I would get the warm up going. I would jog, uh, and in my mind, envisioning the whole thing, it was here. Yeah, and I do that with a bunch of things. I drive up to houses that I like, and I pretend I already live there. Oh wow! Okay, because I need my my mind to believe that it's real. Because once it's real and it's tangible, mm-hmm. it's accomplishable. Yeah, I tell you, if you have the, you have the if you have the fire in the belly, you know. Hey, when but the, I but I also don't. You know what I? One of the things I don't like though is when people sit there and say, "Oh, you could be anything you want to be in life." It, it's somewhat unrealistic because you're basically overlooking the the path, the journey, the how much sweat and hard work it takes to get there. No, you can't be anything you want in life in the sense that like it's just going to happen. You can be anything you want if you put in that effort, though. So I was just going to say I disagree with you, Roy, but you you tied it up at the end. Okay. I, you're right. The statement you can be anything you want to be in your life, it's not wrong, but it's not complete. It's a cliche. You can be anything you want to be in life if you're willing to put in the work. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. And make the sacrifices. That's what people forget. It's not just about working hard and working hard. Right. You're going to lose things. Mm. You're not going to have certain things. Certain things are going to fall to the wayside. That you're go- you'll be able to enjoy later in life. Mm. But yeah. right now you can't. Yeah. Because you're focusing on Listen, my daughter, this is the God honest truth. I'm, you know, we're opening it up. I didn't spend as much time with my daughter her first two, two and a half, her first two years of life. Right. Because I was here. Wow. I was working all day and then I'm here. So, you know, there's times where I'm like, man, I, I really missed out and it sucks, but that's, that's a sacrifice that I made. Unfortunately, COVID was probably the best thing that happened because it forced me to work from home. Right, right, right. So I got to see her a lot more. But if I was still driving to the office and then oh, coming here, yeah. man, I would go, I would go three, four days not seeing my kids. Yeah. But that's why, you know, I have the weekend, but that's the sacrifice. So yeah. when they're 14, 15, 16, oh, yeah. they don't need to know what I suffered. What I That's my sacrifice yeah, for absolutely. them to live a certain life. But going back towards competition. So what drives someone? Everyone's got different purposes. As far as the decision-making process, that's what I wanted to know. The yeah. decision-making process. And I'll tell you right now, that decision-making process does not end mm. until you slap hands and go. Right. Because leading up to it, it's very easy to back out. Really? Very easy. It what? happens all the time. Okay. I the stress that. kicks in, the pressure kicks in, and you know, physical things happen, mm-hmm. mental things start to happen, and it, it kind of gets you. Yeah. And then you have to reevaluate and be like, you know, do I really want to do this? Or do I say I want to do this? Because the reality right. is you have to do it. And you have no control over the result. You can put in the training camp. You can do everything you want. You can go out there and be give it all you have. What's going to happen is going to happen. Right. Yeah, I always think back of there are some fighters in MMA especially that I get the sense that they almost give me the sense that they don't want to be in the cage. You know, like I, I remember watching a lot of boxing uh, matches as well when guys would come to the ring against a guy like Tyson, for instance, and they weren't sweated up prior. I'm like, what are you thinking? You know, and, it, and it's just, there's some guys that love, you know, banging into people and they, they just dig the whole uh, environment. Like I remember Connor talking about it. He goes, I love it when they shut that cage. Right. You know, and that is a huge, huge part of this whole thing. Well, well, someone like 
George St. Pierre has gone on record on saying that he's a nervous wreck before his fights. Right. Yeah, I remember him. Nervous wreck. I'm saying he that. says he doesn't start checking in until Donald like Cerrone said the same thing. Yeah, he doesn't feel it until he starts walking out, and then the door closes, and he's like, "All right, it's go time." But mm. leading up to it, mess. And I, I'm going to be honest with you, I'm the same way. I, oh, I pace. I hate it. Right. I I literally start like like getting mad at myself for choosing to do it. Like, I'm fine the whole way. Right, right. And then when it's time to do I'm like, why am I here? Why am I doing this? <laughs> like, I could have just sat down and, like, talked right. shit at the table. Nobody right. would know. No, one no one's going to care. Everyone's going to still treat me like a black belt. And then I start getting upset that, like, the other people showed up to even compete against me. Like, how dare you? <laughs> then I get, like, really pissed <laughs> off. And then I'm like, let's go do this. And then the second I'm on the mat and we shake hands, so it all not, goes so away. you're not revving it up in, the, in, in your mind like... This guy is taking something of mine that I will not allow him to take, because I've heard that kind of. No, it's not even how it happens. Up. I just, I just, and it was like that when I played football too. Yeah. I would just get the nerves would hit me so hard right. when I played football. I would throw up before my games. Wow. Okay, just so nervous. I'm like, oh my god, like, what am I doing? Like, what am I doing? Yeah. And then, as soon as I would hit the field. And you know, I would, you know, bang a helmet, or as soon as we hit the mat and we slap hands and those eyes lock, you're, was, like, you're like the water boy. Ready to point. go. Ready to go. You're Adam Sandler and the water boy. And you know what it is? It's something you've already done so many times. Yeah. But so you the gotta, muscle memory just takes over. You gotta find your comfort level in doing it. Right. You know, and you gotta get comfortable under the lights. That's another thing. Oh, that's Getting comfortable thing. under the lights. Absolutely. You know, I I hate to use the analogy as a musician, but it's like at this point, I, I've been playing for so long and I've played in front of so many people in my life that I don't, I don't feel it anymore. It almost becomes, you know, I'm not getting punched in the face, obviously, but I'm getting spotlight. I'm getting people, you know, back and forth with me and this and that. And if I screw up a particular, you know, run on the piano, it, it just, I know I'm going to be embarrassed up there. I just don't feel it anymore because I've just done it so, for so long now. You know what you need to start doing. What's that? You need to start playing blindfolded. No, start playing some hip hop. <laughs> you need to challenge yourself. You need to get comfortable being uncomfortable. Wow. Start start doing some hip hop. Wow. Dude, why not? One of the listen, one of the best hip hop groups of all time was three Jewish dudes. Oh, Beastie yeah, Boys, Beastie bro. Boy, baby. I love it. But I, I I'll be a Beastie Boy with you. We can do it. <laughs> we can do it. We can do it. <laughs> all I can tell you is this. At my gigs, whenever I see younger people there, I'm always asking them, like, is there anything we should be playing that, that's, like, cool? Go, no. Just stick with what you do. Play the 70s, 60s, 80s kind of stuff. And, you know, play Journey, play Bon Jovi, play all that stuff. And uh, people just love that stuff. stuff. So, but see, it's funny you said that, how mm-hmm. you got to a point now where you've done it so many times, you want to step it up a little bit, yeah. you're not feeling Guess what? That's what happens on these mats, too. That's what I was getting at when I just, when I talked about an analogy, you know, competing you know even even doing like public speaking it's somewhat analogous where it's listen if you eliminate the you fact that at a young age i did i yeah. did and we'll, we can actually probably even talk in and talk about that um you eliminate the chokes and the takedowns mm-hmm. all right eliminate the fact that it's a jiu-jitsu tournament right at the core all you're doing is preparing yourself as best as you can and stepping out of your comfort zone wow yeah. That's all you're doing. It's right on. All right. Way. Now, when you get to that professional level, that elite level, that's your job. This is what you do. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. All right. You got to show up. Right. You know what to put in. But if you're a, a nine to five, you know, training mm-hmm. two, three days a week, and you want to try, you're stepping out of your comfort zone. 
that translates directly to life. Yeah. There's, you know, promotions up. I'm not good enough. How do you know? Go for it. Try it. You might lose. You also might win. Oh, yeah. You want to go out for the school play. You want to, oh, but you've never sang in front of people. Mm -hmm. Okay. But when you were nine years old, you were fighting in front of people, getting <laughs> choked, trying not to get choked. Exactly. That's what I'm talking about. It's it's stepping out of your comfort zone at the most ultimate extreme level. Yeah. Which is combat. Yeah. Which is combat. It's even more because, to, like you said, take away the chokes and the, uh, and the, the this and that, but you're one-on-one -on -one in this. Oh, 100%. I know we, we alluded to playing football and basketball and this and that, but that's team thing. And you can this hide is, your mistakes. Oh, yeah. This is one uh, on one. Yeah, you'd yeah. be like, oh, I dominated that guy today. No one's going to watch the tape. <laughs> Coach will. That's about it. And you're going to, yep. deep down, you're going to be like, that guy beat my ass. But that's also why I think wrestling is such a great sport. Absolutely. Yeah. Because it is that, number one, you have to have that team mentality. Yeah. It's hard to create a team mentality in an individual sport. But it's doable. I have uber respect for them. And this goes back to high school, too. I mean, I remember practicing basketball team and just seeing the wrestlers just doing their thing. Wow. Well, listen, it was. It doesn't matter where you go to high school. You know, people would step up to the football players. Sometimes they would want to fight the lacrosse players. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Nobody ever wanted Mess to fight somebody from the wrestling team. No way, especially with the gnarled ears. Oh, because yeah. you knew. he's. Got, I, don't know how to, I don't know how to sprawl. Right. I'm not going to fight this kid, yeah. get slammed through a table. Yeah. That's embarrassing. Absolutely. So, you know, you kind of, but it, wrestling is a martial art. It's a combat sport. Absolutely. And I think it's great because it puts kids out there. You have to work with your teammates, help someone get better mm -hmm. while also making yourself better. Being selfish and selfless at the same time. Mm -hmm. I love and that. then you're out there by yourself. And when you win and you succeed, you have to get credit to your team. But when you yeah, lose, I, I you got to eat that. I was going to say that kind of dovetails into the whole preparation now. Okay, you've made the decision now. Mm -hmm. And forget what age you are. But you've made the decision. You're going to go for it. What's the preparation process? I mean, I know you've coached people uh, up, up and down, but... Give me that. Give me the preparation for anybody that doesn't know. It, it needs so I do things a little different. Okay. When my students want to compete for the first time, I tell them what I expect from them. I'm like, look, I need you in here four days a week. Right. You need to get X amount of rounds, and I'm going to get on your ass. And I tell my students when they want to compete, look, I'm not going to treat you differently, or I'm, I'm not going to treat you like everyone else. You get treated differently. Right. Tom always says, I, I'm going to quote Tom a lot. All right, he's my instructor. It is what it is. He's the man. Go. He says, look, the, two, the worst thing you can say to me is I want to compete. Because now I'm holding you accountable. Mm. Now it's not like, hey, I'm glad you made it in on Monday and Wednesday. That's a good week. Good job. No, no. You want to compete. You mm. want to go out there and perform. You want to go out there and fight. Monday, Monday Wednesday is not enough. While you're sitting at home, they're training. While you're done right now, they're training. Someone's training to fight you. So I expect certain things out of the preparation. Mm -hmm. For the first competition, I lay out the plan on what I want. And I'll I'll get on their ass like, hey, man, you know, you might want to get in a little more. Competition's coming in. Right, right, right. I let you go out there and then see how you perform. Right. And when it's done, if you perform the right way and did what I told you to do, the results will be good. Now, I'm not guaranteeing you're going to win, but the results will go well. Right. 
But if you don't listen to me and you do things your way, I'm gonna let you. I'm gonna let you compete. And give you just enough rope to hang yourself. And I'm gonna let you burn out there. Yeah. And then when you come off, I'm gonna look at you and say, "How tired were you those nights you were training? How bad did your leg really hurt? Wow. Where were you last week? Head down. And it's like I told you what to do. Right, right, right. Maybe now you'll listen. And that's my method as a parent too. I'll tell Benny, hey, leave those toys there. They don't need to go outside. Mm-hmm. But when he takes them outside, I'll be like, okay, if you think it's a good choice. When they break, I go, what did daddy tell you to do? Right, yeah. Did you listen? No. So whose fault is it that they broke? Mine. I'm teaching them accountability. Yeah. You know, uh, listen, I'll take my L's. They're me. Mm-hmm. I When I lose, it's on me. Right. When I do well, it's because my coaches and teammates. Mm. Plain and simple, right. you know, and, but one of two things is going to happen. Either they're going to realize that the preparation for the competition is too much mm. and they're not meant to compete. Right. Or they realize if I really want to do this, I need to buckle down and listen. Well, all right. So someone makes the decision. What, what is the optimal time frame? In other words, is it three weeks prep? Is it four weeks prep? Is it two months prep? I mean, like, what, I think eight weeks through that process, eight weeks is ideal. Okay. So eight two weeks. Months. Okay. You know, eight weeks is good enough. Especially here's the thing. We're also talking about local tournaments. Right. You start getting into IBJJF, you start getting into super fights, it's gonna change. Sure. If you're doing a super fight, man, you're one on one out there under the lights, people are watching right. you, UFC fight pass, it's on YouTube, it, it's out there. Mm-hmm. If you mess up, you're gonna be that person's profile picture. Right. So yeah, you need to be very accountable. You need to work. Uh, you need to suffer. Don't stop training because you're tired. No, that's when the training starts. Right. You have to die a little bit every night and leave not fully content with how you performed, but ready to come back tomorrow. Right, right. Because we're working. Mm-hmm. It has to be work. You are competing. So the kids that, that are competing, let's say, with the school, you're having that conversation with them. Are you giving them? I don't lie to them. And I okay. tell the parents right away. I'm like, okay. listen, and I'll tell the kids. I'm like, I told one kid, I was like, listen, if you think this is going to work, you're wrong. You need to understand something. The person you're going up against is going to choke you. They're going to try to arm bar you. And they're not going to do it slow to make sure you're safe. They're going to go fast and hard to try to get the tap. Hmm. And unfortunately, when that happens, sometimes things break. Yep. And I tell them this. I don't want to lie to them. Because then they go in there with this false sense of security and these false expectations, and that's when they get hurt. And mm-hmm. not just physically, that's when they get hurt emotionally. Because yeah. in their mind, they're like, oh, I'm terrible. And it's like, you're not terrible. You just didn't properly prepare. Right. All right. I have one student, he trained his ass off. Right. Trained his ass off. But he constantly ignored the bottom. I see. And I would always tell him, You've got to work the bottom. Mm-hmm. Where's your bridging? Where's your shrimping? But, you know, he'd be on top. He'd get the submissions. Right. So you feel good about that. Tournament came. Couldn't get out from bottom. I mean, I guess he was on the bottom. Yeah. He was on bottom. Wow. And I just went up to him. You know, he was very upset. I was like, hey, don't be upset, bud. You did the hardest part. You got out here. Right, right, right. All right. And I'm going to give you the sweet. Now I'm going to get you the sour. I was like, what happened? I got stuck on bottom. Mm. What did I tell you to do? Work my bottom. Are you going to listen to me now? Yeah. Guess what? This whole week, I haven't seen him on top all week. <laughs> because now he knows. Right. Now he knows. Right. 
I can tell you that fire is hot till I'm blue in the face. You're not going to know how hot it is till you touch it. Let me also flip that a little bit, though. All right. Because whenever I talk to the kids that uh, or anybody that uh, that competes, I always say, so give me something, that, give me one thing you learned from it. Okay. And, you know, they'll say, well, I, I'm not going to put my head in this position or I'm not going to do that specifically. But I, I take it to the next step, which is, are you going to do another competition? And usually they say yes, mm-hmm. because, because it, it reminds me of a, of a football team, you know, during the season that is, you know, predicted not to do well, but then they suddenly play a team really tough and they get that confidence, mm-hmm. you know, and suddenly like, wait a minute, maybe we could hit the playoffs yeah, and maybe we, you know, lost in the first round, but we really gave you know, the Patriots a really good game. Ah, I see uh, where you're you going. That. I was already there, that. Roy. Right. I was right there with you, but you're 100%. Sometimes you need that. To, if you don't know, Roy is a Patriots fan. I am a Giants <laughs> fan. And the 2007 New York Giants played the 15-0. and oh, Played the 15-0 and New England Patriots. <laughs> Giants lost that game. They totally did. Lost that game. Absolutely. But they were right there with them. Yeah. And then they went on a tear in the playoffs. Yeah. And what? I forget what happened in the Super Bowl. Oh, that's right. It was a lucky freaking catch. 18 and 1. Lucky catch. <laughs> Come on. Beautiful. You're catching it on your helmet? That Come was on. beautiful. I don't care <laughs> I how. I know it's beautiful. Hey, the harder I train, the luckier I get, buddy. <laughs> Very good line. That is <laughs> a great line. <laughs> it, it does something. And that's what I love about when kids compete or when adults you. compete. It gives you something. Mm-hmm. If you do well, you're like, okay, I like the way that felt. How far can I take this? And if you yeah. do poorly, it's like, well, I can't leave on that note. Right. I need to get back in there. Plus, I'm not going to let you leave on that note. Mm-hmm. We're getting one more. We're getting one more. Okay. And you're going to do it. Now, I had another student. Man, this little girl. I'm going to I'm gonna say her name. Little Sophia. Okay. Sophia is nine years old, eight, nine years old. Some, I might be wrong. She's going to be like 13. No, she's like eight, <laughs> nine years old. <laughs> sweetest little girl right she's really you know she's getting to that point where like her like personality is really right, starting right, to come right. out she's I been training that. she's been it. training here since the since the first base great parents love it. uh you know man she's not the strongest no she's not the biggest her technique's not the best and leading up to this she was getting beat up really? every day and every day, like I'd be like, Sophia, are you okay? She's like, I'm okay, I'm okay. But she would just keep showing up, oh, wow. keep showing up, never quit. Gotta love that. Never. Attitude. In my head, I'm especially like, especially in a kid. Man, in my head, I was like, this girl's gonna quit jujitsu because she's getting beat up every day. Uh-huh. So she goes out there. She gets taken down. Mm-hmm. She gets mounted. Does not get submitted. Love it. Now, if this would have been a points tournament, uh, she yeah. would have lost. Right. But this is why I like the good fight, and we'll get into that in a minute. So now they go into overtime. She lands the rear naked choke, and then she escapes. First win. Love it. Next match, she goes out there, gets taken down, somehow gets out from bottom, gets another rear naked choke. Wow. Goes into the finals, gets beat up for four minutes, uh-huh. goes to overtime, gets the rear naked yeah. choke, escapes. She walked out of that tournament. Pile of gold. With 10 seconds total on top. Oh, my God. Was mounted for maybe 24 minutes. God bless her. But walked out with two golds and a silver. Wow. At one point, she faced one kid uh, three times. They ended up like, it's like a round robin. Right. She ended up facing one three times. 
the third match with this kid, and this kid was tough, mm-hmm. and he was good. He was good. He Wait, knew this it. Is a girl competing against a boy. Girl competing against a boy. Wow. Okay. And he's good. I like. I want I'm not one of those coaches where I'm like us versus them. Like I gave that kid a hug. I was like, listen, dude, you did so many things well. I don't know what's going on with her. Middle of the match, he's on top. He starts like you can see he wants to cry. He's going Americana. Wow. He's on her back. He goes armbar. She's done. just not tapping and fighting out of all these positions. I'm looking right, at the Sophia. coaches and I'm like, what is this? And then she'd win in overtime. Oh, and wow. this poor kid's like so upset. And I, I've, but w- what was the lesson there? It's not about always being the hammer. She got so good at being the, the nail, nail. Wow. that when it was her time to shine, she was just like, listen, beat my ass. Right. When it comes time to overtime, I'm going to get it. Wow. But here's what's great about this. This is why I like the good fight, especially for those early competitions. She got that positive reinforcement. Yep. She got to submit someone. She felt good. But don't you dare think I didn't call her out on Monday and said, hey, good job. But your jujitsu is bad. Yeah, you put yourself in way too many dangerous positions. I told her, I was like, if this would have been a points tournament, you lost. Big time, yeah. And she's like, okay. I was like, now we have to work. Enjoy Saturday. But once 5.30 hits on Monday and it's back in class, Saturday's done. And this is a nine-year-old. Nine-year-old, man. That's beautiful. They're all working bottom. That's beautiful. So unfortunately, one kid got stuck in bottom, got submitted. Mm Mm-hmm. Because he was used to being on top. Right, right, right. Sophia was on bottom the whole time for eight weeks of camp, getting ready, getting beat up. Mm-hmm. So when it hit, she had been there so many times where she was like, yeah. I just got to keep moving. Right. I just can't quit. Her mom and dad were like, apparently our daughter can just take a beating and come back. Wow. I had other coaches come and be like, who is that? That girl is tough. And I was just like, yeah, if she could learn some jujitsu, she'd be dangerous. Yeah. But you can't teach that. That's hard. You yeah. gotta. That's a gut check. You gotta find Absolutely. it in yourself. Yeah. But little I mean, Sophia, I'll, I'll even talk to you about like in business when I when I talk to people uh, about it. I always say there's a can't do problem and a won't do problem. The can't do problem is the guy that goes to work that needs maybe two weeks of extra training, two weeks of skill set training, that sort of thing. The won't do problem is the person that gets into work late. And that has a crappy work attitude, that sort of mm. thing. You got to drop the the won't do guy. This girl, Sophia, obviously is a can't do person. She just needs a little bit of the technique skills taught to her and implemented in her game. And suddenly, because she's got the attitude, she's got right. the work ethic, she's got the intangibles, right? Because you're not going to be able to instill those intangibles to people that don't have it. Hundred percent true. Yeah. And and man, what she showed. And it was great for the other students to see it because it's like, look at what she did. Yeah. Wow. And now look at what her rounds look like in class. Mm-hmm. She's fighting. Wow. We can't, we don't just need to be physically tough. We need mental toughness. Yep. You've yep. got to check in and be like, this sucks, but I'm just going to keep fighting and moving. And she got submitted. She mm-hmm. got submitted in the finals of one of the matches. Mm-hmm. It happens. You're going to get caught. Absolutely. But it wasn't for lack of fighting yeah. and it showed and she had a phenomenal day. Good for yeah, her. And, you know, we we did well. We had. I'll tell you another one. Benefits of jujitsu. Mm-hmm. Griffin Dowd. Okay. 
Griffin Dowd. Is that the one with the long hair or the... Uh, That's Mads. Okay. <laughs> Best name in the, the world. The Dowd family produces Man, some I saw good-looking kids there. They do. They do. You know, Leah Leah's, and Scott, congrats. Yeah, Leah's a very attractive... She's a beautiful woman. Right. Scott is not attractive at all. I don't know how he's got good-looking kids. I'm busting on Coach Scott, by the way. <laughs> Coach Scott's very... Yeah, he's got that goatee, though. I mean, he's on. got the goatee. He's got the tattoos. Yeah. Uh, I love, I love Coach Scott. He changed my car battery today. There's not much you can do with it when you don't have the hair. I mean, we have a lot of guys here that are uh, follically challenged. I am one of them. We got a lot of them. The whole like front half of class, but uh, like the first five people in line. But you know, they Mads. I got to tell you, Mads is one of the toughest kids you'll uh -huh. ever meet. He doesn't care. I've seen him get moved up. He's he just turned five back in okay. March, but. I, he competed at four years old, right. and they moved him up a bracket and a really? weight. Oh, oh yeah, he didn't miss a beat. Wow! All right, like he lost, but man, he showed up. He fought. Did he was he? going for takedown. Well, this is the second tournament, I think. Right? These were their third tournament. Third. Okay. This was their third, and at, for the longest, they were the only kids that competed. Wow. And then after their second tournament, that's when Scott was, you know, Coach Scott was like, you know, we need to get more kids competing. Yeah. And I've, it's not that I don't want them to compete. It's just when they don't do well and their yeah, little tears, breaks oh, it breaks my, it breaks my heart because oh, wow. I can't help. And I know how bad it feels. Yeah. I've lost. I've right. been there. Yeah. So I was like, all right, let's, let's do it. If Coach Scott wants to do it, let's, let's get them ready. So Griffin Dowd, talk about beautiful jujitsu. Really? I got to see this kid roll. I was so impressed. Oh. He's, I think he just turned seven or eight. Uh, he goes for a takedown. He misses and he ends up on the ground. He doesn't stand up. He right. sits. Okay. So he's playing butterfly, I guess. Or he goes to close guard. Close guard. Okay. Setting up triangles. Locks his ankles. Person stands up. He puts the feet on the hip, grabs the back of the ankles, sweeps them from there, mm. gets on top. Wow. You know, he's going, he's working the top game, looking for a choke, or he's looking for an Americana. You know, he gets his, his leverage is off a little bit. He gets rolled over. Right. Doesn't hesitate. Back to guard, setting up Kimura. Sweet. He's, I'm looking at this kid. I'm like, holy smokes. Compared to his first tournament. Right. Where he got taken down, held, mm -hmm. and you could see it in his face. He got steamrolled. You could see it in his face. He was like this, I don't like the way this feels. Wow. But he took that feeling and kept, and he works with everyone. And he's not the biggest kid in class, so he'll work with the bigger kids. Mm -hmm. He'll work with, uh, you know, uh, Coach Dom's daughter, uh, Adriana, a.k.a. Nans. And she's 12. Mm. He's 7. He'll train with her yeah. and work. Right. And be like, you know, let me let me work getting out of... Man, Great he attitude. got mounted at one point, and his hip switch and recovery, so fast. Effortless. Beautiful. Effortless. Beautiful jiu-jitsu. Beautiful. I was so wow. proud not just of how he did on that day, but all the work he's put in mm. and seeing the progress right there. Mm. But it didn't come from success. It came from him being motivated by not doing well. Right. And he got to see it in a real setting. And those are the benefits you get from competition that you don't get from, you know, just regular rounds. It's like, how's it going to work when this is real life? Yeah. And it's someone who's not, you know, my teammate going 100%, quote unquote, Right, this right, is right. a different hundred percent. Well, it goes back to what you're talking about with Sophia. I mean, that's sort of, you know, in her, her head. 
you know dude at one point she's on bottom and she's like eh, eh. and you know if you make noises you know they'll, it's an automatic submission if you grunt yeah, but there was no submission and she was just on bottom and the ref asked her if she was okay and she goes to the ref she goes yes i make noises because it makes me stronger oh my god like, i love this kid Holy i'm like who shit. is who is this kid <laughs> like what is going on but man but wow. you, you see those things, you know, we saw a lot of great things. We had students that had to step up, um, you know, weight class and division uh-huh. a- and, and you got to show up Yeah. and I'm going to tell you what you did right. I'm going to tell you what you did wrong. Yeah. All right. Let me flip the, uh, flip the uh, script a little bit. Uh, coaches, have you seen other coaches where you're like, that guy's doing it right? And have you seen coaches where like, what a douche? Yeah, and I'm gonna I'm gonna be honest with you. Most of yeah. the coaches that I see from other schools um, are are pretty good, yeah. and they do a really good job. And it's a really nice setting, and you know you're you're pretty friendly. And I've also been doing this for 15 years now, right? right so right. if they don't know me, at the very least, they know that I'm one of Tom's guys, and you know, you know, it is a certain level of respect there. Right. Also, like you know, I went to one tournament, and uh, Coach Scott was like, "Do you know everybody?" I'm like. Kind of. I'm yeah, like, we yeah, all yeah. train together at one yeah, point or another, right, right. you know, but where I see the biggest issue mm-hmm. is when the parents start coaching the kid. Yeah, that's tough. Especially when dad doesn't know what he's talking about. Yeah. Choke him, Tommy. Choke him. Dad, your son's in bottom side control. <laughs> he's not choking anybody. <laughs> and they forget, like, dude, like your kid's going up against another eight-year-old. Yeah. Like, what are you doing? You know, but you know they they rather have their kids doing it than you know do them you talk, signing the do waiver. You prep the kids to say, listen, you're going to concentrate on my voice, hundred percent. Don't I mean, don't listen to dad. Don't listen to you know the crowd screaming. Oh, I tell the parents to shut up. Okay. Yeah, I tell my parents to shut up all wow. the time. I we had one dad here. He's great, and he likes to coach his son. And it's not like. In a malicious way, it's more like telling his son to like you know get in there, focus more. Right, right, right. One time he was trying to coach his son through a takedown. I turned, I was like, Dad, do me a favor, <laughs> either sign the waiver and start training, or sit down and shut up. Right. And he was like, Oh, sorry, professor. <laughs> Steph is like, I don't know how you have students. She's like, The way you talk this, it's like, man, it's blind leading the blind. You don't know what you're talking yeah. about. Sit down. Let the coaches do what they're supposed to do. They always talk about that in all the sports. You get the little league dads that uh, just uh, overstep their bounds. They think they're coaching the World Series. Yeah, they're yeah. eight year olds. Yeah, I hate to say it. My old man did that to my my uh, brother one time. My brother was a, an amazing athlete in high school. You know, thousand point basketball scorer. I mean, just really. Mm. You got uh, recruited to play uh, quarterback at Lehigh and Rutgers and all these. Anyway, so but my dad was one of those loudmouths in the uh, in the crowd. <laughs> you know, like pointing at people, saying, "Meet me back." You know behind the uh dugout oh i would absolutely like challenge a parent to a fight like if someone <laughs> yeah. said something to my kid i'd be like my man we're going out back and here's quick. the best part my brother's son is yeah, i think he's about 11 now uh jack is just a fantastic wrestler mm-hmm. i mean he's has probably about 100 tournaments under his belt at this point wow. and he's always showing me that he's doing really really well and i'm so proud of the kid i love the kid he's just an amazing kid but my brother has to sit in that audience and like kind of keep it inside and this and that because it's so hard it's so hard yeah you know it's funny so benny just turned five and somebody asked me uh like oh, are you gonna let benny compete and mm-hmm. i was like 
No. <laughs> Not at all. Wait, why? It, it has nothing. To, and here's the thing, and I'll explain now. Uh, please do. It has nothing to do that I don't want him to compete. Okay. But I know my son. And now I will say this, since he turned five, it's like a switch went off and he's like becoming a big boy. Okay. But I want to see more focus. Right, right. I got you. I want to really see him. I'm not going to throw him out there mm-hmm. because I want to be like, oh, my son's going to compete. No, 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 no. He's going to live his own life. Right, right. He's going to compete at some point, but I'm going to make sure it's when he's mature enough to understand what's right. happening. I'm convinced my son's going to be like a WWE superstar <laughs> Love it. because he's all about the dramatics and the physicality. Mm-hmm. We teach a takedown in class. This kid, he's going to give me an aneurysm. <laughs> they grip up. And as soon as there's a grip, you know, his partner will go for like the Uchimata or something okay. like that. The Osoto okay. Gary is a perfect one. Love that. Partner goes for the Osoto Gary outside trip. Mm-hmm. Well, Benny won't fall, but he'll let go of the lapels, run backwards into the wall, slam his back on the back mat, then run to the pillar and hit his face on the pillar wow. and then collapse on the mat and be like, ugh. And I'm like, dude, if you weren't my kid, that was entertaining. But you're my son. What are you wow, fucking doing? That is real WWE. <laughs> then there's then so when he's ready, and you know he, he can show me that focus and discipline, I'll right. put him in. But I'm not going to put him in there to get hurt. Yeah. I'm not going to put him in until he understands. Like, listen, dude, this is a fight. Then there's my daughter, <laughs> dude. There, there was these, there were these three, she's these a two, killer. three. Dude, she. I don't know if she's a killer, but she's out of her mind. She's convinced she's going to be five. And if you tell her she's going to be three, she like points her finger. She goes, no, I turned five. I turned five. And it's like, Juliana, you're going to be three in December. Don't say that. That's rude. Don't say that. That's rude. That's what she says. That's rude, Miguel Benitez. So (laughs) I don't know where she came from. She's going to give Steph's going to, all her hair is going to turn white because Juliana. low, low key, you know. My and, daughter is not low-key. Oh, man, those Italian and Puerto Rican genetics mixed wow. in, and she is all it's spice like, and it's sass. Like gasoline and dynamite coming together. Dude, there were these two <laughs> three-year-olds going at it, and they were smiling and laughing and like uh-huh. going for it, and I'm watching them, and I'm enjoying because they're three, and it's fun right, to watch. Yeah, yeah. And Coach Max is next to me. He goes, how old do you think these kids are? And I already know where he's going. I was like, I think they're like three max. He goes, uh-huh. Yep. <laughs> And I'm like, yeah. And he's like, but he's like staring at me. I'm like, what? He goes, bro, you know what I'm thinking. I'm like, what, Max? He goes, dude, I think Julian would blast double those kids and choke them out. Oh, wow. That's so cool. And in my head, I was like, she probably would. But I'm not going to put her in there. She's just, she's an animal. But when they're ready to do what they want to do, they can do it. Uh, We just signed Benny up for rec soccer. Okay. I'm pretty sure he's just going to run back and forth as fast as he can. <laughs> I don't know if he'll ever hit that ball, but that's where he's at in life right now. He just wants to go, 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 go. Go for it, dude. What I'm laughing at is that there's a picture of you hugging your kid right behind your head here. <laughs> and he just... I he's a maniac. You can see it. Dude, when he was like two years old, he would run around the kitchen island. I timed him one time. Right. He ran for like 21 straight minutes. Oh, my God. Just running. And he, he was like... Doesn't have an off switch. No. He wakes up 100 miles an hour. So eventually he'll grow and mature and he'll yeah. be able to channel it. But right now, you know, he's he's getting a little more intrigued too. I'm starting to see a little bit of a Good. change in that. That's awesome. But he, he's doing rec soccer. We'll see how that goes. I think he's going to have fun. I'll give you an interesting take on things. My son 
was a, a a little much smaller guy. I mean, I'm I'm about six feet two hundred, and he was always a little guy, and he'd always see me lifting weights and this and that. But anyway, so I never thought of him as an athlete. So we're outside one time uh, at a family get together, and and I throw the football to him, and I, he was always a spaz. You know, he would drop the ball, that kind of thing. But one day he caught the ball, and I think he was in ninth grade, and he gets it, and I've never seen anything like this before. He caught the ball, and suddenly I've, you know, as a as an ex football player, you know when you see speed, right? Okay, like there's a guy that just jukes you and and takes off. He had that, right? And I'm like, I said, Jay, fuck football. You got to join the track team, and he ended up becoming the number one sprinter for his uh, for his high school, Montgomery High School. Yep, and. It's just. Well, you're leaving something out, Roy. Where did he go after Montgomery? <laughs> right. Your son became a D1 sprinter. Yes, he did. But what I'm getting at is that, like, what was that switch? When you do you see that in the kids that you coach? Like, do they suddenly get it, or or do they, the motivation suddenly happens? Or like, do you see that eureka moment in their eyes? Yes, it's it's That's there. Kind of you don't always at. see it with some kids. And it's just because maybe this isn't, you know, for them. Right. They like it for the discipline, the focus, and the structure. But with some kids, you see something a little different. Yeah. You know. I can be good at this. Yeah. I'm also very biased, and I have a hard right. time looking at my own kids. Yeah. So I avoid it. Mm. I avoid it. When right. Benny takes class, I'll, I'll stick for the warm-ups, and then I go get coffee. <laughs> I go, because I don't want to, I don't want to be, a, I don't yeah. want to be that parent. I want him to live his life. He, uh, so, going back to the rec soccer today, Steph goes, hey, Benny. Uh, you're going to do a sport in the in the fall. Right. Do you want to do soccer or do you want to do football? Uh-huh. He goes, no, 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 no football. I'm not a man yet. <laughs> and, oh, is that a great line? He's like, I'm not a man yet. And I was like, buddy, <laughs> neither am I. But when Steph told me, I was like, he's not playing football right now. I was like, is it flag or tackle? She's would, like, I, I think it's say, tackle. Yeah. Would, you, uh, would you let him play? 12 years old. Okay, so you will let him play? Yes. Yeah, 12 know. years old. But here's the question I would ask him. Mm-hmm. Do you want to play football or do you want to play football? Right. Absolutely. If he just wants to play it because he's interested, yeah, go for it, dude. Yeah, if you want to go for girls, it. that kind of thing. Absolutely. Yeah, go for it. Do it. Go get your head bashed in. You're going to find very quickly if you don't love it, you don't like it. But if he wants to play, it's just like one of those kids saying, I want to compete. Yeah. Ah, we're going to make some changes. Because yeah. huh. now we got to get, let's if we're going to do something, Let's try to be the best that we can at it. Yeah, but there's also the other side of that, that whole tenacity side of things. Because in football especially, there's going to be that one time where you get hit and it's going to, you know. It's going to rock you. It's going to rock you. I mean, I remember getting hit with uh, my shoulder pads. This guy came up and he just clobbered my shoulder pads and went right into my throat. Mm-hmm. I'm like, what the fuck am I doing this for? Oh, yeah. I looked at the cheerleaders and I said, yeah, you baby, I'm all right. Yeah, you, you know? got to. Here's the thing. There's that first time you get hit where you're yeah. like, what am I doing? And there's that, then yeah. there's that first time you like, for me, it was the first time you hit someone and you're like, oh, this feels good. <laughs> like I can like, I can like be a weapon. Yeah. But I'll never forget this one. I got taken down one time and you know that when you're, it's a cold November day and you're wearing your helmet and the grass comes through the face mask and you're just face down. And like three or four guys are on top of you. And no, because I played defense <laughs> and I wasn't, I was never on the, you were, that's why I didn't play offense. Because I didn't want those moments <laughs> with 2,000 pounds on top of me. And the grass is through the face mask. And I'm like, what 
the fuck? No, I was the I was the other guy. I was the guy on top. Oh, you're of on you. top. I was the other guy on top of you, like fish hooking and doing like <laughs> dirty things. I can't believe you said that. You know what they would do? They would. We played the Morristown High School one time, and I, there were about four guys on top of me, and they're just pinching the back of my thighs. Yeah, I'm like, get the yeah. fuck off of me. You know, listen. There's always dirty things. My the guy I played with in <laughs> high school, I would hear him. There was one game. All I hear is like, and I'm like, what is that? We get. I'm like, dude, what are you doing? He's like. I spit in their eye when they start oh to win. So I God. punch them in the stomach. I'm like, you're a degenerate. <laughs> like, but holy shit. But now, so now let, let's get into this. Let's talk about, you know, now you're getting spit in the eye. You're getting beat up. Well, now it's Jack just talked about getting popped right in the eye. Well, you know what this is called? Adversity. <laughs> Learning experience. Adversity. Yeah. yeah. What are you going to do? Yeah. It didn't go at all how you thought it went. Yeah. And it went. Not just that it went bad. It right? went I'm not talking about correctly. jacket, but you're. It's like, wait a minute. Wait, this is not. We talked about last week. Your expectations and the yeah, reality. Yeah. Oh yeah. People have an expectation of competition, right. and then you compete, and you're like, this was something different. Yep. I remember one of my first tournaments. I went to frame from bottom side control. Okay. And bottom side, you're framing. Got it. Yeah, I'm okay. framing. He bit my hand. <laughs> he bit my hand, and then when I like winced and like. Flick my hand back. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He attacked an Americana. Oh, motherfucker. I was like, what? What is this? But what are you going to do? Now, I got to ask, because you always make this great joke. <laughs> are there different uh, uh, referees that like favor different ethnicities? Uh, it wasn't IBJJF. So, you know, <laughs> he, he, didn't get a, different he didn't get away with yeah. anything because he was Brazilian. Uh, you know, you know, I love the, that joke the, you it's, said. Man, the rumors are true, man. It, listen, people don't like it, but if you look at some of the things that have happened at IBJJF oh tournaments, it's wild. Yeah. It's wild some of the things that you've seen. You know, perfect example, Tom had a match with Comprito okay. a couple years ago. Tom had like half guard, top half, uh -huh. underhooked on the head, and he started he started posting on the face, which okay. has always been legal. Okay. The ref tells him, can't do that. And Tom's like, okay. So Tom gets back in his half guard. He's got him flattened right, out. Yeah, posting yeah. He's like, stop, stop, stop. The referee resets them. We like puts Comprito like a deep half and like puts Tom <laughs> oh, on Jesus. top of him. And Tom's like, what, what is going? No. He's like, come back. And it's like, oh, no. there you go. There's your two point sweep. And it's like, are you serious right now? <laughs> this is not what we were in. It happens. Right. It happens. I mean, Comprito is kind of like an old school legend. He's an old school legend. And Tom is sort of a new school legend. Yeah. Uh, but but now, so now here's the adversity. Right. Now the legend of Tom the Blast. Oh, yeah. What did Tom do the next day? He went back. He lost his weight, okay. but he went back and he won the Masters one black belt uh, absolute. Love it. love it. Love it. That's why he is who he is. But that's also why you can't tell him shit because he's going to look at you and be like, buddy, I've been there. Yeah. I know what we're talking about. But you need that adversity. You need to, you need to get beat up yeah. and be like, how am I going to react to this? The whole thing about motivation and drives and, you know, I mean, that that's in any sport you choose that, you know, what is it that's taking that guy to that next level, you know? What is he? Does he have an intel, a mature attitude about losing where he says, okay, I lost, but you know, these are the holes in my game mm -hmm. kind of thing. So, right. Or listen, you go up for a promotion, you yep. don't get it. Yep. You think you're better than the person that got it. Mm -hmm. Does that mean you don't show up to work? What is it I'm missing kind of thing? You know? Does that mean that now you become insubordinate and yeah. you don't listen to this? You'll be like, oh, I should have gotten that job over. No, you have to get to work. Yeah. You've got to face that adversity, dig deep and say, you know what? I'm going to keep getting after it. 
So give me one of those moments in your personal competing life, positive as well as, you know, motivation. Like, give me, give me a, walk me through a couple of years. Like a positive or a negative give one? Me, give me the positive first. All right. I, I want to hear good things first. I mean, the, here's the thing. I always have a hard time finding positive in competition for myself. Right. Because even when I do well, I I dwell on what I didn't do right. Right. Yeah. Um, case in point, my fight to win match. You know, I won the match and it felt great. Right. And then I'm in the car and I'm quiet. And Steph's like, why are you quiet? And I go, <laughs> I should have submitted him. And she's like, are you serious right now? I was like, she's like, you haven't competed in four years. I was like, I should have gotten the sub. That's going to bother me. I should have gotten the sub. Oh, wow. And it does. Yeah. You know, but that goes back to what we were talking about before. If you get the win, you didn't get the sub. If you get mm -hmm. the sub, it wasn't the one you wanted. If it was the one you wanted, it wasn't the way you wanted. Right. You always want like, but that's, you, you want to get better. You want to improve. Probably the most motivating part, right. and this was probably the toughest part for me, it, it was facing adversity. Mm. I wanted to fight MMA. I had an MMA match. I lost yeah, I in spectacular fashion. How do I show my face? Yeah, no doubt. You know, and at the time I was coaching a lot at Brunswick. I had people supporting me. I'd sold like over a hundred tickets. I had people from the restaurant sending me text messages, like like a group photo that I still have of all the waiters. And, and I get my ass kicked. Yeah. How do I save face? Mm. And I remember we were backstage and I'm dude, I am bawling. Like right. just the humiliation, the right. letdown. Right. It's in front of my mom. And I remember like Tom grabbed my face and he's like, this does not define you. Right. He's like, you lost a fight. This doesn't change who you are as a man. He's like, in 10 years, we'll see where you're at. Right. And we'll real. he's like, you'll realize this fight meant nothing. He's like, right. we get over this. And he gave me a hug. He's like, you know, I love you. You know, I love you. This doesn't change who you are. Right, right. Don't let it change who you are. Dude, I really thought about being done. Right. But then, you know, Monday came around. Right. And, <laughs> and you you have to show up. And you know what? Ten years later, that fight didn't mean shit. No, it doesn't. It it forced me to have to learn a lot about myself and right. realize that, you know what? Maybe this isn't the path for me. Maybe there's another path. Maybe I'm meant to do something different, right. but I had to show up. You needed to learn that on your you know, on your own. That had way. to come back, had yeah. to do it, had to learn the lesson. Wow. That's a, that, you know, that's a huge lesson. I mean, that's why I, like when I tell my students, I'm like, I'm not it doesn't even hurt. It's like, you're not even physically hurt. You're, oh, it's, it's just, it's so much. I'd rather be physically hurt. Yeah. 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 Exactly. I'd rather, cause that's going to heal. Mm. You break your bone, you know, it's going to heal in six to eight weeks. Right. But when you, when you injure your soul, mm. I'm going to tell you now, my come, my entrance song for that fight was all along the watchtower by Jimi Hendrix. Love it. I didn't listen to that song for like seven years. <laughs> it would come up like, dun, 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 dun. I'd be like, dun, dun, next. Not listen to that. <laughs> Holy shit. How visceral is that? Don't want to listen to that song. Like it connects right to that time frame. Oh, look, Dave Chappelle's got this joke where he talks about how when he gets pulled over by cops, he turns off the radios because he doesn't want a soundtrack while he's getting his ass beat. <laughs> and in my head, I'm like, yeah, I know exactly how you feel, Dave. Sorry, Jim. Not going to listen to that song for a while. So I started listening to The Doors a lot more. Oh, man. I but, love The uh, Doors, baby. <laughs> but then you know I, I, I don't listen to Eminem, but I listen to the Doors. Yeah, Doors are good. <laughs> Jim Morrison, baby. Absolutely. I'm convinced he was a vampire. But <laughs> <laughs> but you know you need to learn those lessons. And yes, there's lessons in victory, but in defeat, right? 
I, I truly believe those are the most valuable lessons because now you've got to find a way to come back. You've got to find a way to look in the oh, of mirror. Of course, of course. And but you learn, learn about let me yourself. Let me, let me get back to the technical uh, side of things. So gi versus no gi. I always get the sense that when you're in gi, you have to be comfortable with the idea that the, the grips that are holding you, not necessarily the grips that you have, but the grips that are holding you, it's very, very frustrating not to be able to, to have that kind of movement anymore. Whereas in nogi, it's much more fluid and much more, you know, movement oriented, but it's a lot slicker. So it's harder to, to, to nail down a, uh, a, you know, without friction, it's harder to nail down a, a sub. Did you like, or do you like coaching gi or nogi or, you know, it's a whole different mindset. It's a complete, I mean, the mindset's very similar, but the, uh, the execution has to change. The things you're yeah. looking for has to change. I've always said this. Nogi, I truly believe, is much more honest. Nogi is true, honest combat. It's a real fight. It's a fight. You get in a fight at the beach, they're not putting you know, a bathrobe on. No. And, you, know. no. you get an armbar in Nogi, you're probably getting that armbar in Gi. Right. You okay. get a guillotine in Nogi, you're probably going to get that guillotine in Nogi. But I'm going to say this. Mm-hmm. I think the Gi is less forgiving. Oh, th- yeah, absolutely. There is more room for error in nogi. In nogi. Yep. You can get away with stuff. Mm-hmm. You know, because it's that's why it's so difficult to get these submissions because you're slippery. But in the gi, man, you're one bad grip away that's what from I mean, having right? a so horrible eight minutes. Yeah. And it's so frustrating when you can't pull these moves and you don't have the movement. You can't, you know, shrimp out of certain things. You're being held down in a particular way. Right. But that's why I think we're also seeing the explosion of nogi. Right. That's why Nogi's taking over because you don't have these matches where someone gets a grip, goes to side control, and is able to keep you there with a lapel for six minutes. You don't have that. And listen, I'm not going to be the guy who sits here and judges those guys right. and be like, oh, you win by an advantage, rip off. Listen, I don't have those medals. So who am I to talk shit about the guys that right, do? Right, right. But you, that does impact viewership, it does Absolutely. impact excitement. It's much more exciting, Nogi. And guess what else that impacts? When you get to that pro level, it impacts the money. Mm-hmm. These guys want to get paid. Yeah, You want to make some money. The money's in Nogi because it's fast. It's exciting. Yep. There's no stalling. Yeah. You got to move. And there, I'm not going to say there's no stalling. There's absolutely stalling. But it's so much more evident Yeah, I when you totally see it see in Nogi. I it's like you're that. literally doing nothing. Whereas with the Gi, you can be like, oh, I have a grip. I'm working for a choke. Are you? Are you really? Yeah, right. Or are you just trying to trap me with my own lapel? So what about the transition? You take a guy that's fantastic in no gi, does he do really good in gi? Or is the guy that's fantastic in gi do better going to no gi? Well, give me, give me that sort of I, back I think the easier transition is probably going from gi to no gi. Because okay. all you're doing is losing the grips and you can adjust. Marcelo right. said that. In, okay. I think his first ADCC. He said, I just did everything I do in the gi. Without the grips, okay. He's like, instead of a sleeve, I grab the wrist. Instead of a, a collar, I grab the head. Going from no gi to gi, right? That's a different jump. You've got to learn a whole different aspect of the game, right? 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 Uh, and then you know, there's you know the the Gordon Ryan mindset, which is you know the old school mindset was you train gi to get better at no gi. The gi right. is going to make your no gi better, which you just alluded to that it's easier to make that transition. I think it's easier to make the transition, but I don't think training in the gi necessarily makes your no-gi game better. Right. I think, what I will say, I think is training in the gi makes you more aware mm-hmm. and more cautious. It makes you tighter. 
that's an interesting thing. In other words, the game is, is much more, like you said, cautious, you know, I, I guess it's not as exciting, obviously, but it's not going to be as exciting. So yeah. that aspect is going to transition to Nogi. Mm-hmm. You're going to be much more aware, but you have to be more explosive in Nogi. You can't sit in positions longer in Nogi because they're going to move. So take a particular uh, uh, submission, let's say legs, you know, um, obviously in Nogi, they, they really, really train that quite a bit mm-hmm. at the highest levels. I guess there's more, uh, is it more broad, the submissions in Gi? You know what I'm saying? Well, you can use the lapels, but here's the thing. Like, you know, you go for a heel hook in the Gi, it's going to be much tighter. Much tighter because of the friction. friction. Yeah. Can't, you can't just spin out of it. Right. You're going to get your leg ripped. Um, but, you know, I encourage, especially early on, do both. Mm. Do both. Yeah, absolutely. Because number one, and listen, we're talking local tournaments, white belts, blue belts. Do both. Mm. You're not Gordon Ryan. You're not Gary Tonin yet. Where you're like, I like the no-gi. Okay. Do both. Yeah. Because at the very least, here's what you are getting. Right. You're getting experience on the mat. Right. Competition experience. You don't like the gi. You think it's slow. So what? Go out there and do it. Yeah. Use your jujitsu. Get your mat time in. Start learning how to compete. And the only way you can do that is by getting on the mats and doing it. Right. I can totally see that. I totally... So if you do make the transition, gi to no gi, um, we agree that uh, it's it's a little bit easier. I think that's the the natural transition. Right. Okay. You don't see too many guys going no gi and then be like, I'm going to put on my pajamas and see how it goes. <laughs> you know, perfect, perfect example, you know, Mike Musumeci, you know, he was multiple time gi world champion. Mm-hmm. He's now making the transition to Nogi. And he, he said that it sparked right. his interest in competition because he had won so many titles. Yeah, That's such a great problem to have. I wish I had that problem. Like, oh, another world. It's like Forrest Gump. Like, I'm at the prison again. <laughs> so I won Mundials again. Great problem to have. He got bored. Yeah. And then he's like, Nogi is so new to him yeah. that it, it sparked. And he's like, he's just training nonstop. Not. He's doing like these uh, who's number one matches and then doing like two minutes of training afterwards because he's so obsessed with it because it's new. Wow. But, you know, I remember like Bernardo winning a heck of a lot of uh, tournaments in the gi. But I don't really hear that much as far as the no gi. Maybe maybe it's just that, you know, he got a little too old for it. But I I was just wondering. uh, I think the sports just completely evolved. Yeah. You know, you go back 15 years ago, it was all about the gi. All about the gi. Yeah. The, you know, even uh, Nogi Pans is pretty new. Uh-huh. I remember when I started training, like, n- the first Nogi Pans in New York. I remember going to the first Nogi Pans. Wow. Wasn't the first Pans. Right. Pan American games have been going on for a while. You know, since Brazil, Brazilian Nationals. It was all about the gi. You look at old school pictures of competitors, it was all about the gi. Mm-hmm. The only time you would really see Nogi was ADCC. I was going to say, if, if I were to kind of talk about the history of BJJ. When you when you talk about Nogi, I, I think Tenth Planet and the whole Eddie Bravo thing really, really kind of pushed the Nogi thing. But you never see those guys competing in the Gi. And now I think the world is kind of caught up because I know uh you know the focus is now so much more Nogi. Well you know what it was too, especially with the with the Eddie Bravo Tenth Planet guys, is 
they were so I don't know if you want to say ahead of their time, yeah. But they were such a That's exactly what I was. Uh, they were such a minority at the time, right? And they had such their own specific mindset. You yeah. know, they're a very specific team, very California based. Yeah, California yeah. based. You know, like they like to you know, uh, you know, green, green up, moves, green up the whole thing before yeah, they yeah, train. Yeah, yeah, right. You know, they had their own style. They represented themselves. They didn't necessarily yeah. represent the whole jujitsu community. That's what it was. Yeah, exactly. You know, so people would look at them like, ah, you don't want to do it that way. You want to yeah. wear the gi. You want to wear the gi. But then the sport, Metamores changed it. What time frame is this now? We're talking what, now 2010, 2010? 2011. Yeah. Okay. Metamores comes out. You now have these super fights. And people are realizing, man, when you're just watching one gi match, the gi match is pretty boring and slow no doubt but the nogi matches are fast and exciting you've got gary tonin out there mm-hmm. fighting rus mahira paul harris right spinning and inverting and, di- and like, taking whoa him, like, taking on his game it's know, exciting just, yeah, exactly and then you start getting the ebi tournament that's where you really started to see the change mm-hmm. where you saw that it was getting exciting yeah it's faster you're chasing submissions and it was legitimate and it was legitimate. Because I remember they were, they were always talking about like Eddie when he fought Gracie and his stuff worked. It worked. <laughs> it worked. It worked. And, and that's, it just really, really made a lot of sense to and, a lot of people at that point. And then, you know, the money got behind it. Yeah, absolutely. And the pay-per-views and you started getting, you know, it started with Metamores, but then you started getting Polaris. You started getting the Eddie Bravo Invitational, which the EBI, I really think yeah. it was exciting. It was a very specific rule set, mm-hmm. and it took the sport to another level Yeah, with that submission-based mentality, right. and it opened up the sport to a different type of style, a different type of training. Leg locks became evident. Right. You know, that overtime game, the game's gotten faster now because people are hunting submissions. Right, right. It, 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 it sparked it again, and it got to the point where even the purists can't deny. They can't, that's exactly This it. is the they game now. They can't deny the game. Exactly, this, and I I'm not on the on the boat where I think gi is gonna go away. I don't think it's gonna be ten years from now. And it's like, oh, remember when people used to train in the gi? Right. There's always gonna be a place for the gi. There's always gonna be people that want to train the gi, and it's a very beautiful art, the no gi. Doubt. But I do think we're gonna see a change. You know, right now it's like you know some guys have like no gi Tuesdays. Yeah. I think you're gonna have very specific classes that are geared towards the gi. And it's going to be a lot yeah. more nogi. It's a, it really, really is a different game. I mean, it's it's much, uh, like I said, those grips really, really create a whole different kind of movement, an economy of movement in a sense, you know? And it's just, I find it, I do want to go uh, back to this thing. Since you and Gordon have that, that history together, what was the, his evolution as far as going way back, you know? So he, when he first competed, I think a lot of people would be interested in that. So, believe it or not, Gordon Ryan has competed in the gi, mm-hmm. uh, you know, early level white belt, blue belt, and he's very dangerous in the gi. And then he made the transition to no gi. Right. All right. Uh, How old was he when he did that? Like seventeen. It was probably right around the time that he got linked up with Gary, okay. and they started really going to the city a lot more. Okay. And that's when it really, you know, but I, I don't think. Here's the thing, and he's said this before. He says that he he thought he just wasn't interested in the gi. Mm. But you have to ask yourself, what were you surrounded by? Because even I, you know, I stopped wearing the gi because I noticed that when I was at training sessions, it was helping my teammates prepare for super fights and right, right, right. And, and tournaments, and they're all in the in no gi. 
So now I'm not putting on the gi because I'm helping all these guys get ready for no gi. Mm. So you've got someone like Gordon in the blue basement helping all these guys get ready for no gi matches. Eventually you don't put on the gi. Right. And then as no gi starts getting more popular, that's where the money's at. That's where the events are at. You get away from it. Mm. So I don't think it was like so much as a conscious choice. Uh, and again, he can probably explain it more. Maybe we'll get him on here one day. Uh, but I, I think it was just a natural progression. Now, when you talk to these guys, Gary or, or, or Tom, do they ever express an interest in one of the other? Or I don't, I don't mean to keep beating the dead oh, horse I, I think, here, but I'm, I'm really curious. Listen, I'd, in I'd terms be, of their competition. I think everyone at this point is, they might not want to say it, everyone's on Team Nogi. <laughs> okay, that's And I'm not just talking about us. I mean in the sport. Mm-hmm. That's where it's at. If you've if you've competed or you've got guys who did MMA and all that stuff, right, it, right, right. You know, the gi is always like going home and having mom's home cooked meal. <laughs> but no gi is like this is my bachelor pad. This is my house. Yeah. I walk around in my underwear. Yeah. Literally in no gi. It, it's just man, it's I love it. Yeah. Right. I love no gi. I, I really do. So when you talk to the kids, I, mean, I just want to tail it back to to the school. Okay, and you talk to the kids. Do they have a sense of whether or not to go gi or no gi? Because when in a lot of these tournaments, they got to do both. I tell them to do both. Right. I tell them to do both. Right. To get the experience. Right. You have to get the experience. Don't tell me you don't like broccoli if you've never had broccoli. Right. Wear the gi. Put on the pajamas. Get the experience. Right, right. You don't like no. You don't like gi. Being a bow and arrow choke. Yeah. <laughs> See what you that's don't like. like the gi. Even better reason for you to compete in it. Go be uncomfortable. Go face the adversity. Go do something you don't want to do. Right. A lot of things we do in life we don't want to do. Absolutely. I don't want to go to work every day. <laughs> you know, I don't want to pay for water, but we have to do it. Yeah. We have to find it's a way to do story, it. Putting yourself in those positions and putting yourself in those uh, circumstances. And, and those are the lessons you're going to learn in competition. And it's great. Right. And, you know, Dante Rivera uh, really encourages his kids to compete. And he said this to me one time. He's like, man, I tell my kids, like, what are you nervous about a math test for? You just fought a kid on Saturday. He's like, and you'll see it in their face where they're like, you're right. That test isn't going to slam me on my back. And then some of these kids, they get slammed, dude. But, you know, it's it's really forcing these kids to learn so much about themselves at a young age. So let me flip that also. What about the kid that does not want to compete? He has an even bigger responsibility. Okay. That kid's job is to show up to practice every day and help his teammates get ready for competition. Right. You're just as valuable. What I did on Monday when I taught the the kids class Mm -hmm. is I called out the kids that didn't compete. Okay. And I said, you know, there's one kid, Adam, great kid. He's also like best friends with Sophia. Okay. I said, and you, cause you can see some of the kids like feeling like left out cause they didn't compete. Yeah. yeah. I'm like, Adam, did you compete on Saturday? And he like put his, he's like, no. I was like, let me ask you something. I was like, Sophia got two gold medals. How many times did you train with Sophia before her tournament? And he was like a lot. I was like, you helped her get those gold medals. That's beautiful. Sophia doesn't That's get great. those gold medals. That's great. If you're not here. Part of the team. Absolutely. And you can see him like picking up his head, like, wait a minute. You're right. Then I grab another kid. I'm like, did you compete on Saturday? He's like, no. I was like, 
how many times did you train with, you know, Mia? Mia's one of the girls, one of our tough, she's tough, man. She bulldozed people. <laughs> she had two matches, blast doubles, got to mount Americana. Can't even explain what she did. There was no critique. I'm like, I keep telling you, you got to work your bottom game. She's like, we ain't going to see the bottom. Right. And, you know, I was like, how many times did you train with Mia? And he's like, a lot. I was like, you helped Mia get that gold medal. That's I was like, just because they stood on the podium doesn't mean they were up there alone. Mm-hmm. And I always tell my kids, I'm like, what are we in here? And they all have to say, a team. You've got to buy into that team. And that's what I was talking about before. How do you create a team atmosphere for an individual sport? It's doable. Don't believe me? Go look at Penn State. When Bo Nickel won that national title three years ago, Mm -hmm. you know what he said? He goes on that mic and he said, if you want to win team championships and you want to win conference championships, come to Penn State. He didn't put the focus on himself. Right, right, right. He didn't say, if you want to be a national champion, come this in. This environment. He said, if you want to yeah. be a win national team championships, right. you want to be part of a winning team, come here. He just won one of the biggest individual tournaments, one of the biggest individual accolades you can right. get in that sport. And he put the focus on the team. Right. You develop that in the room. You got to develop that. And, you know, it's by not just pointing out the kids that competed, but expressing to the other ones, like, you didn't compete, but you have an important role. I need you to show up. I need you to train and train hard. I need you to learn to help them. Right. Because their victory is our victory. Which is great advice to anybody that owns a gym. You know what I'm saying? I don't know if they feel like they, they should be pushing their kids or their students to compete, but just to create that, that all-encompassing team atmosphere. I, I never force anyone to compete, but the second you show me interest, I'm putting fuel on that fire. Ah. <laughs> well, you should do it. You think so? Absolutely. Because you're going to learn so much about yourself in three minutes. And I, I'm going to take it back um, a little bit. We're going a little bit far. We're, we're going to wrap this up pretty soon. But we have our student, Evan. Mm-hmm. Evan's a blue belt. You know, I love Evan to death. He's part of the uh, Manny, Evan, Max. Is he the one with the star tattoo or... Uh... No, that's... Uh, or is that Matt? That's Matt. That's okay. Matt. Right. Evan's the one who was blonde for a little bit. Oh, yeah. I love that guy. Yeah, he's great. Very catchy. True story. I don't know if I can give this information, but I'm going to give it out. He has a uh, gastrointestinal disease. Mm. So he's actually in a lot of pain a lot like of times Crohn's. when he's training. Yeah, I think it's like gastroenteritis or something like okay. that. And he was telling me how like some days he just he's in excruciating pain. And I'm like, right. dude, how do you train? He's like, well, I'm young, and this is only going to get worse. Yeah. So I figure I might as well just show up. Great attitude. And I was like, wow. But he can, his first competition, and he has to go to overtime. It's a good fight tournament. Mm-hmm. I love the good fight because even when you do well, right. let's say you win, I can pick apart the fact where you lost. Right. And if you lost, I can point out the things you did well. You could have a tournament, a match where you win on points, but you lost because it's a good fight tournament. Mm-hmm. That's why I think it's great because there's always learning Right, learning, uh, learning aspects, but there's also positive aspects you can get. So you can work on so much as opposed to you get taken down, you get mounted, you lost eight to zero. It's like, yeah, your jiu-jitsu sucks. You know, you can get something to learn. You can be a Sophia, lose the round twenty-eight to zero, (laughs) but you get the win because you you showed up with guts. Evan gets to overtime, Mm -hmm. and when they get to overtime, he's he's just done I think six or eight minutes, Mm -hmm. and he looks at me and I can see it in his face. He's done. Yeah, he is gassed. gassed. He is tired. He's done. And I look at him. I was like, don't you look at me like that. You said you wanted to compete. 
grab your nutsack. Let's fucking go. Right. We're not quitting. Yeah. Man. He fights his ass out of that rear naked choke. Love it. He's pale. I can tell that he's about to pass out. Right. He takes the back. I say, you're tired. Find a way out. Win. You win. You can rest. Right. Man, he dug deep and he got that choke. And I... I hugged him and I told him, I was like, you learned more about yourself in that last 30 right, seconds right. than you've learned in the first 24 years of your life. Love it. Wow. You got to dig deep. You got to dig deep. And those are things you don't get to see every day in your everyday life. But on those competition mats, you're going to see it real time at the rawest, purest form, mm -hmm. which is combat. Yep. You're in a fight. Mm -hmm. Now, people always talk about like, you know, we're in a fight for this. We're in a, this is a physical fight. Yeah. If you can dig deep in a physical fight, every mental, emotional fight you have, you can deal with. That's great. You can deal with it. That's the benefits you get from competition. So the two words to cap this, dig deep. And tap it? in. And tap in. Tap bro. in, bro. Love you got to tap in. But, you know, if you're listening to this and you're thinking about competing, I say do it. Do it. Man. Tap in. Tap in mentally physically, spiritually, understand that you're going to do something and you've got to give it all you have and take the experience with it. Mm. Don't run away from it because it, it, it's something you don't get to feel anywhere else. It's new. It's Love exciting. It, Love it. That's, that's pretty much it for the competitions, man. So now we got same kids want to compete again. We got a couple more that want to jump into it. Mm -hmm. I know a couple of adults. We didn't even get to talk about the adults that competed. Connor West had a phenomenal showing, just clean jujitsu. Great kid. Josh had a great day, but you he know brings he, it. he he brings had a, it. He, he brought it and he dug deep, and yep. you know we found some holes in his game. I tell the big guys, big guys always make the same mistake. He even said to me, he goes, "I got things to clean up in my game." But you well, know. you know what's the biggest mistake I find with the big guys? What's that? Is when they're the big guy in the room, they get away with poor technique. Oh, yeah. They get away with being the big guy, being strong. And I, I always told him, I was like, dude, when you compete, you're not going to be the biggest. You're not going to be the strongest. They're going to be just as big, just as strong. Right. He said he and, went up against the guy that's 280. Yes. Like yeah. Was bigger than him. Right. It's a different game. <laughs> different game, baby. Learn your jujitsu. Learn your jujitsu. You got to import those body types. Let them learn You got to learn how to do it. But yeah, two words. Dig deep. Dig deep. Oh, well, hang on. I, I, just, oh. I also want to talk about Jack real fast because I love this kid. Love Jack. He's so tough, too. Yeah. yeah. You know what I told Jack? This is what he needs to learn. I was like, Jack, your jiu-jitsu is great. You have solid jiu-jitsu. You're so much better than what happened at the tournament. You know what he needs? That's what I told him. I was like, you just need competition experience. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You can tell I, could, I could tell in his eyes that when I talk with him, and even when I saw him roll tonight, you know, he was kind of bringing it in a different level. Because he knows. Yeah. He knows now. And his third match was very good. Mm -hmm. You know, but you got to clean it up. You got to clean it up to get the submissions in competition because you have to understand that person's not going to tap and be like, ah, good job. Let's go. Again. Yeah, you're right. That person's not going to tap, period. Right. Yeah. You better get it Yeah. or they're not giving it to you. Here, someone might tap and be like, ah, yeah, I, I tapped because I don't want to go to work tomorrow with a scratch on my neck. <laughs> I don't want to break my arm. Right. A lot of these guys at tournaments will be willing to break their arm. Mm. Some don't, but a lot do. And before we end it, I just want you to throw a little uh, praise towards the coaches. I mean, we got some great coaches. Dude, 
I can't even give them a little praise. I, and you know, we've always had a good job with that. Mm-hmm. We've always had great coaches for the small amount of time we've been open. Yeah. Very involved, very supportive. You know, we've had coaches that compete and then coach when they're not. It's wild what we've had happening here. And we've really helped grow a culture. But, man, what we had this past week, it, you can tell that the school's growing the right way. Right. Um, coach Scott. We had uh, Coach Dom, uh, Coach Justin, Coach Max was there all day. Yeah. 9 a.m. to 9 p.m. Running to mats because I can't split myself and be at multiple mats. Right, exactly. But they're there. They're there. And, you know, Justin's great because Justin likes to hide on the other side and start getting different angles and shouting out instructions to me that I can't see. You know, it's just... And they're not there because, you know, they're not trying to be coaches. They don't want to be John Danaher. They're yeah, not there yeah, for yeah, clout. Yeah. They're there because they care, man. We had three. And they're there because, I, I mean, look, I've, I've taken so many classes with Justin. He's just a really, really good teacher. Really you know is. what I'm saying? And it's got to translate to his coaching ability. Same thing with Max. I've seen Max teach technique, too. You know, it, it, it's just fantastic watching it. Uh, listen, and, I, and I've said this to, to Justin. I think I'm a pretty good coach. I think I'm pretty, I, I do a good job at teaching instruction, teaching right. techniques and breaking them down. I think Justin is a better teacher than me. Hmm. I really do. Um, well, you I, tell better jokes though. I do. I tell better jokes. Better, again, <laughs> I've accomplished a lot in my life by oh, being yeah. charming. Absolutely. Justin's not as charming. <laughs> He's not. He's really, you know. But man, when he breaks down the X's and O's. Superb. Absolutely. You know, and listen, there's nothing wrong with that. Yeah. I like different coaching styles. Mm-hmm. There's multiple coaches that have won championships right. with completely different styles. Mm. You know, John Danaher coaches a certain way. So does Tom. Right. right completely right. different methods. Is one better than the other? I, yeah, yeah. You know what? That's funny you say that because I, I can only imagine watching Danaher talk in one way and Tom bringing the instruction the, the, a whole different way. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But they both get results. And I'm telling you right now. Bobby Knight versus Phil Jackson kind of thought. Listen, Tom's got some studs in the stable. Right. Don't be surprised if you get a couple people winning ADCC trials coming out of OCBJJ. Love it. 100%. I'll tell you right now, that's one of the top five rooms probably in the world. Yeah. In the world. Yeah. In New Jersey, hands down, it's the best room. Hands down. And I've got no problem saying that. You know why? Because that's my instructor's that's, academy. Yeah. Right. I got no problem saying <laughs> That where I got my degree is the best school in the awesome. state. And, That's you know, awesome. maybe we'll we'll catch up one day. A little Monty BJJ action. We'll get up there and we'll develop it. But dig deep. Tap in. Step out of your comfort zones. Have fun doing Give it. it. try. Yeah. Have fun doing it. Love it. When are you going to compete, Roy? I knew you were going to get around to that. They got they got a <laughs> mas- t- right, they got Masters my- 9 division. That's what I was going to say. I'll tell you what's holding me back from it. And it has to do with injury. Mm-hmm. It's just I don't want to get because at my level, there are guys that are going for my legs, and I, I just I don't want to be on crutches. But so tap. Yeah, no, that, that's kind of not me. But listen, Roy, if and when you choose to do it, we'll get you yeah. ready. I think you would do well. I really do. I think so too. But it's, I'm gonna have to need a little more peer pressure, I suppose. We'll get you there. Guys, this was this was our third episode of Tapping In, talking about competition. I hope you enjoyed it. Please keep listening. Also, I want to give a quick shout out. Uh, people keep telling me how great the podcast sounds, like how the quality is so good. 
Anthony Rettino from OCBJJ who came in here, set us up with all the wires, all the sound systems. I can't thank this guy enough. So if it sounds like it's a high-quality production, uh, thank Anthony Rettino. <laughs> and for those of you complaining about the volume, that's 100% my fault. Again, <laughs> my wins go to the team. My losses are on me, baby. That's the way it works. Have a good one, guys. I'll see you next time. Love it. Thank you for listening.